0: Well, hey there, how there, all there, listeners. Welcome to Friends on Film, a Flying Phoenix production. This week, Teddy and Michael travel through time one year ago
1: and break down the barriers of movie watching. That's right, it's time for their best, their worst, and their favorites of 2022. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this auditory experience. ¶¶ Welcome, this is Friends on Film, the podcast. A place where two friends sit down and discuss, mostly argue, but sometimes discuss, all things film. I'm Teddy, and joining me today is the always inquisitive Michael. How you doing?
0: I am being as inquisitive as always. Teddy, what are you (laughs) up to? Uh,
1: You know, pretty much the same. We've been getting some uh, interesting films out lately. I finally found, um, finished Disenchantment, like you've been telling me to, so... Yes, it shall be very, very interesting. And I'm excited to start our first episode! Woohoo! The first episode, it is
0: insanely cool to be finally doing this. What I find funnier is we are a Flying Phoenix production, and I'm seeing right now that Taylor has a Flying (laughs) Phoenix literally right behind her. Yes, I do, yeah. (laughs) Taylor, Teddy, we're going back and forth on this
1: yes 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 it's a little bit so yeah teddy taylor that's what i am trying to figure out a name currently um so yeah either or works perfectly fine perfectly fine i might change it again i don't know i'm (laughs) indecisive you know me (laughs) um but yes i do have a flying phoenix behind me it's glorious i wish all of you beautiful listeners could see it as well but unfortunately cannot it's fine it's fine maybe one day we'll see we'll see Uh, how this podcast progresses (laughs) exactly well Michael I believe it's time for us to kind of start breaking down our lists of the year Um, first if you guys would please follow us on Instagram at friends on film for more fun stuff maybe we'll do some behind the scenes work just kind of let us know what you want to see stuff like that Um, you can also follow us on our personal accounts Um, mine is living the dream catch me all underscored and uh, Michael's is Michael didn't believe in insta no spaces um, if you'd like to hear that, and uh, then just who—if you'd like to hear more English, it's hard. Uh, do us a favor and just kind of share it with a friend, talk about it. And now, with that all jumble out of the way, let's get into the worst films Absolutely. of this year. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Also, every flub and everything is going to stay in this. I hope you know.
1: Oh no! Don't tell me that. I'm going to get anxious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only Damn doing that it. to
0: keep you on your toes. That'll be fun.
1: Oh, perfect. (laughs) Heard that. Great. I hope you know I'm going to probably stutter more now because you did that. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway. It's all fine.
0: Yeah. The hardest part of any year is a critic having to acknowledge when something didn't resonate with you. We Mm -hmm. love movies and we've both made movies. We know how hard it is to make them. So to Mm -hmm. all the people who worked on these movies, we see you and love you. And we see the hard work you threw in to try and make these movies and try to entertain us. And while they didn't resonate with us, please continue to continue making movies and they're f- and entertaining us for the years to come. And remember, for <laughs> all of you beautiful listeners out there, our lists aren't the right lists. They're just our own opinions.
1: And spoiler we rarely agree when it comes to this anyway, so it's fine. No worries. Well, it's
0: all the more fun because everyone gets to, they're getting their listening's worth.
1: True. Okay, now quit dragging it out. Let's give the people what they want. <laughs> all
0: right, let's take a wrecking ball to these suckers
1: okay so my top worst movies and i see on your list that one of my worst is your best so i'm gonna go like balls to the wall and just hit you with it i absolutely hated um the new avatar movie way of water And I will die on that hill with no problems. I despised it. Why was it three hours long? Oh my God, I literally, I'm not kidding. You can ask my friend that went to this movie with me. I went to the bathroom for 15 minutes, one, five, 15 minutes. And I came back and I was like, okay, what I missed?" And he's like, um, not really much. What? Like, I just, I don't understand. Like how, how, how? Do you have, like, five full minutes of the kids swimming through the water in the ocean? Five full minutes. Like, I get it. You you have to, like, build the world and create the, the tension in the families and everything. But, oh, my God. I was about to fall asleep. Not even going to lie. I was, yep. Mm-mm. I just no, didn't I, like it.
0: I will say this is, like, <clears throat> as somebody who really did like it, well, I'll get into that later why I liked it. I will say... Mm-hmm. A lot of your stuff is very valid. I didn't think the movie needed to be three hours long. There are things and aspects I do enjoy about it that I'll get into, but I didn't enjoy the high frame rate scenes. Um, For those Mm -hmm. listeners at home, a lot of the movie was shot on 60 frames per second when the industry standard is 24 frames per second. And higher frame rates are great for stuff like video games or for football games, which are shot at like 120 frames per second because you need to see everything. The problem is our eyes see a lot of it uh, at see a lot of things at 24 frames per second. So in a movie, when it looks off it, by a high frame rate, it actually makes your movie look less uh, look le- less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less believable. I don't want to say realistic because mm-hmm. it's an alien world. It can look like whatever it wants. But yeah, I noticed that the effects looked better when they were the 24 frames per second. And I will agree mm-hmm. with you. There was three hours of a lot of stuff that d- you could have trimmed down. There are stuff in mm-hmm. this movie that I do like. I like that this movie can stop and breathe for a minute, but I'm like, we didn't need to yeah. breathe for that long. I think back to Studio Sorry. Ghibli films and how mm-hmm. they can sit and take a breath, but yeah. they pace it out so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. Now going back to what you said just a minute ago with the, like the uh, frames per second, I, remember the first opening sequences where they had like that big battle where like the humans came over and they were like attacking again it felt like I was watching a video game Mm -hmm. like it just like the the way it looked on the screen it felt like it was just a big video game so I definitely understand like I can definitely see your point on that and also just like with the breaks and everything it, it just, it was too long. I felt like there was a lot of, like, I agree there was a lot of good story there. However, comma, I felt like I would have enjoyed the story a lot more if they had cut it down. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like my biggest beef with it was I don't think they would have left their home. Because the whole first movie, they were like, oh, yeah, we, we have to protect our home. We have to protect our home. We have to protect it. We have to protect our people. And then the first thing they do in the second movie when trouble comes is leave.
0: Well, they left to protect their people. That's what they decided to do.
1: Yeah. Well, I I wish they would have hit that a little bit more. For me, he was like, oh, we have to protect our family. And then he left. But I guess his family is his whole tribe. So eh. mm-hmm. I don't know. Jerry's still out on that one, honestly.
0: Well, coming uh-uh. in for me at number five is Netflix's animated movie Scrooge. So, Really? Big, big point about me. I'm a huge Christmas Carol nut. Like, I have watched the Lifetime Hallmark movie, A Carol Christmas, about the Carol, (laughs) the talk show host. I love A Christmas Mm -hmm. Carol. And Mm -hmm. some points about Scrooge that I do like. Animation-wise, it is stellar to look at. It looked beautiful. The designs of the characters were amazing. The way they laid out the musical numbers, I was very impressed with. And Mm -hmm. I really liked Luke Evans as Scrooge. I thought he did a good job. My biggest problem, this is something that did bother me, I did not, I felt that my biggest issue was towards the end, they, because mm-hmm. they had done a good job setting up how awful Scrooge was, and yeah. then at the end, it just kind of like, we get back, he gets back, and literally not even three minutes later, the movie ends, and you're just like, uh- wait, we just sat that whole time. Watching this man grow, and now, okay, we're not going to show you how good his redemption is. Bye. And I felt very disappointed by that. The other Mm. thing is, they don't use book dialogue for a good chunk of it. And Mm -hmm. I know that people are like, well, this was more meant for kids. Okay, so it was the Muppet Christmas Carol. And they freaking (gasps) use entire book dialogue almost throughout the entire movie. And that was my big issue. There are some things about it I do like. But I think because of the ending and the choice to not use the book dialogue, it makes the film feel more misguided and not really understanding what made it so good in the first place. So for me, it doesn't, for me, it's number five, just because I'm like, there was so much you could have done and there's some wasted potential here.
1: Oh, yeah, 1000%. Like... Most of the time, what makes a movie is the ending, but it can also ruin a movie. There's been plenty of movies that I've watched and I've loved the whole like first and second act. And then all of a sudden, the third act, I sit back and I'm like, what was that? Like, what did I just I mm -mm." it can literally ruin a whole movie for me. And that's really (laughs) unfortunate because usually the third act, sometimes that does happen. And like, especially in Hollywood, movies just like fall off. And I've seen that a lot with, like, Netflix movies, actually. Uh, the whole reason why I haven't liked Netflix movies, which is funny because three of my top five favorites this year are Netflix movies. Mm-hmm. But anyway, some of the, like, worser ones, I've liked the movie up until the ending, and then the ed- ending just doesn't do it for me. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, I can't.
0: I feel can't you. do it. What do you have at number four mm-hmm. for you?
1: Um, So I actually only have three worst movies of the okay, year. Okay, gotcha. Um. But yeah, so my number two is Death on the Nile. Mm -hmm. And I think that was mainly was because I actually, I'm a late bloomer. I will admit it. I will be the first to admit it. Um, I watched the Orient Express like a week earlier. And then I was like, oh my God, I have to go watch, you know, Death on the Nile. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm I'm gonna go do it, right? And it started out like when, like at first glance, it looked absolutely amazing. The cast looked amazing. Like, the, the whole idea behind it looked amazing. Of course, we've all, like, at least heard of the book as well. And I heard the book was absolutely phenomenal. Usually, I read the book before seeing the movie. However, I did not do that in this instance. Probably should have. Um, but, yeah, no, honestly, for this, like, like I said, I, like I was just talking about, the ending was too predictable. And that's what kind of ruined it for me. Like... They let it up, and I could see them trying to, like, lead you in other directions and lead you in other suspects like they did in the first movie. They did absolutely phenomenal in the first movie of, like, actually making you believe that, oh, it might be this person or, oh, there's evidence for this person. However, with Death on the Nile, it just, it didn't feel believable to me. And then they revealed who the killer was, and I was like, oh, well, damn, I could have, I, really, that, that, huh? Like, I don't know, I just, it just didn't feel real for me. I can't tell if that's because maybe I didn't read the book and maybe that's how it was in the book, or maybe it was just the book movie translation that kind of got lost. Um, they also killed my favorite character, which really <laughs> pissed me off. I did, oh, I cried so hard, but I cried every movie, so I don't know why I'm complaining. Um, but yeah, no, I really just, I didn't like it because it was too predictable. Um, I do, I will say, I like that they. Took it away from Orient on the uh, on the Express and that ending because I was afraid they were gonna do like a duplicate ending and be like oh yeah everyone did it like they didn't order uh, Murder on the Orient sorry if you haven't seen it my bad um, spoiler spoiler alert, alert. Uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, but I just yeah I was just so afraid they were gonna do it so I will I will say I'm glad they didn't do like a mimic kind of like same ending however it was just it was too. Yeah, it was super predictable. Like, as soon as you open up the movie, you see it. You're like, okay, this is what it's going to be. And then that's pretty much what it was. And it's like, oh, well, dang. Okay.
0: I'll say, so I so. started watching Death on the Nile, because I like you. Uh-huh. I'm Murder on the Orient Express. <clears throat> I apologize oh, for yeah. listeners. I'm getting over a cold at the moment. So if you hear me <laughs> clear my throat, it's just me trying to fix myself. Um, <laughs> just but gigantic. I started Death on the Nile, and I'm a huge Kenneth Branagh fan. Uh, the man who yeah. plays Sergio Piero, because he also wrote and directed the oh, movie, and really? Yep. I didn't know that. He is insanely yeah. good, and yeah. he, uh, he's trying to turn all the Agatha Christie novels into movies, and Ooh. he's insanely great at it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. The big thing, I can say that from what I've seen, at Death of the Nile it moves so slowly. You're just like, yeah. get to the point. Like, we're literally yeah. 45 minutes in, and then murder starts happening. I was just like...
1: Yeah. What? Yeah. oh Yeah, and no.
0: It, it, <laughs> it just... It took some time with itself that I felt like you could have trimmed it in easily.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Being a screenwriter myself, I know you've written some scripts as well. The biggest thing... The biggest note I've always gotten is... Make sure your audience knows what they're invested in and what they're getting themselves into in the first ten pages, in the first ten minutes. Otherwise, they're going to click away. So I definitely understand that note of okay, like it was slow moving. You don't really know what was going on until like forty five minutes into it. Yeah, the I biggest agree note with from
0: that. filmmaker Martin Scorsese. He said, "If nothing happens within the first fifteen minutes of the movie, you're nothing's going to happen for the rest of it." And much, I get yeah. why. Um, Rennell wanted to open the movie with how Hercule Pirol, why he grew the mustache and everything, because that is a gorgeous mm-hmm. mustache. But oh, I yeah. couldn't help but feel like, because I know what the third movie is going to be about. It's going to be about a much older Pierrot based on that novel. <gasps> so no I way. am wondering if he's going to, if that should have been the opening for the movie, since mm-hmm. we're going to see the older version of who he is. So yeah. I can see where Death on the Nile didn't hit people. But I will give credit yeah. to it. It is gorgeously shot. The cinematography oh, and production design was just, mm-hmm. ugh. And the actors oh, all um, around. I mean, people bash Gal Gadot in that movie. And I'm like, she did pretty good really? for what she had to do.
1: She did really good. Honestly, I, I had no complaint about, against any of the actors across the board. Like, they were absolutely phenomenal.
0: Um, but for my number four, this is going to be one that shocks some people and
1: maybe not shocks
0: them but it is gonna upset some people I don't know um Hocus Pocus 2
1: (sighs) that is one of them that I'm fighting you on how dare you so
0: a bit of background I'm really looking at this as a sequel to the first and for the Uh first I think it's over hated by people by people who like haters who hate on Hocus Pocus and treat it like it's Mm -hmm. this big cinematic art piece and it's like no it's a simple Halloween movie chill y'all um (laughs) I can see it not being somebody's cup of tea. But there's some Mm -hmm. things about this movie that I really... Of the first movie I love, the score is so Mm -hmm. drop-dead gorgeous. It is the feeling of fall and Halloween in that movie just feels so perfect. It is honestly kind of gorgeously shot throughout the entire thing. And Uh so we come to the second one. And there are things about it I like. I love the opening Mm -hmm. backstory because the child actress, they get to play... Matt Midler's character as the younger version.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, she nailed
0: it. But then when we get into the main story, I was, I'm not, I don't have a problem with generic stories if they're told well. I don't mind a movie being predictable. Mm -hmm. My big issue is, one, it didn't feel like a Halloween fall at all. It just kind of felt like generic looking movie. And then the Mm -hmm. three main girls, the three actresses themselves are very talented, I can tell. The script Mm -hmm. does not care about them. They are so bland, one-note characters. And with children, (laughs) you've really got to write interesting things. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know they don't really care about them because the three trio, one of them is not even in the movie for a good chunk of time. And you're just sitting there like, what? And then I love the three ladies. I love them, and I love Doug Jones coming back as Billy. The big issue is... They're trying to make them do the same things they did in the first movie, and they just don't mm. have the energy to do it anymore just because they're older. Yeah. And I felt like they didn't write to accommodate for that. And yeah. my I... biggest issue also, well, not my biggest issue, but one of the other issues I have, because they are repeating a lot of plot beats from the first movie without the mm-hmm. original cast or original characters there. You yeah. also have this weird, Let's. this is a weird nitpick for me. But it does kind of hit on how I think this could have done. They have Bette Miller, of course, amazingly sing One Way or Another, I'm Going to Find You, which is fun. It's cute. But my issue is, in the first movie, when she sings, I Put a Spell on You, it's a Halloween song. And are you meaning to tell me there are no songs that Bette Midler could sing from modern day that are Halloween-esque? Lady Gaga literally has several songs about ghosts. Can you imagine (laughs) Bette Midler singing a Lady Gaga song? It, that about Ooh, Halloween and ghosts. Yeah. So I was so mm-hmm. disappointed by that. And yeah. I will say I liked the ending a lot to this. I think the ending mm-hmm. really does make it go, okay, clearly this is what they wanted to do. But mm-hmm. I think the execution leading up into the ending, it just felt very generic. And it, I don't even feel like, I feel like even if you're a fan of the first movie, it doesn't, re- mm-hmm. it just repeats the plot beats of the first movie, but it doesn't do anything else to, Homage to the original, so for me yeah. it just came out as very disappointing and very. It's fine for families, but I don't think I'll put this on every year for Halloween.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Coming from someone who had to watch Hocus Pocus a second time in order to even get the nostalgia of it, because the first time I watched it, I actually hated it. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. Um, but I watched it a second time, and I actually was like, okay, you know, it makes sense. And now every Halloween. I do watch it for Halloween as, like, a Halloween movie. I do agree that the um, the newer characters that they brought in, it was a very basic storyline, and I actually stopped watching it 30 minutes into the movie um, because the, like, modern-day storyline just wasn't doing it for me. I was like, hmm, I'm kind of already bored. Like, I wish they would have focused more on the witches coming back in. Um, what else? Um, I agree it didn't feel like a Halloween movie. It definitely did not. Um, And what you said about the ending, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. An ending could make or break a movie. I think the ending is the only reason why I actually like Hocus pocus Pocus 2. I think that's why. It's because I loved the ending. I loved the way they did it. It was kind of like, oh, well, are they going to come back? Are they not? That is a perfect example of how to leave a cliffhanger as to whether or not a character is dead or not.
0: And Bette Midler, in be that reprised. final little s- scene she has, just. <sighs> oh, I am uh, going to forever praise Bette Midler as an actress because she just. She plays this so, it. such a silly, goofy character. And yet, pulls on your heartstrings that my sister and I were watching and my sister actually said, I know she's evil, but I feel bad for her.
1: (laughs) Literally, I'm not kidding. I started crying. I was like, oh my God, that's all she wanted. Like, the fact that you could see that plot point, I love, I love when I can see the actor, like the, the character. Getting their plot point or getting their plot point taken away or like having them like have that moment of realization where, oh, my God, that's what I needed this whole time. It hasn't been about this. It's about this. Oh, my God. Like it just it warms my heart when I can see that. And I think like that's another reason why I liked those characters. And I like, I agree the actual like modern day characters were one sided, but I think the three dimensionality, I know, I don't think that's a word, but I'm making it up now, um, was absolutely phenomenal of the original three witches that it kind of makes up for it. Mm -hmm. But also I feel like they were trying to add in too much stuff from the first movie so much so that it didn't make sense. Like their, their fancy little three way walk that they used to do. They did it in the new movie, and I felt like it was just kind of a, oh, hey, look, we're doing this again. Not really a, this is just what we do. Mm-hmm. So I, I can definitely agree with you on that. I definitely wouldn't put it on the worst list. <laughs> However, I guess, I guess, it's, it's, I understand your points is what I'm trying to say. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All right, so what was your worst of the year? What was the thing that just made you okay. boil with rage?
1: Top 10 worst of the year. I don't know if you ever saw it. I was actually forced into seeing this, but it was Pause of Fury.
0: I it have not like seen animated. this.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so it's an animated kids movie about a dog who... So the world is filled of cats, okay? And this one town, it's like a samurai movie. So, like, of course, there's, like, a bunch of bandits going in, raiding towns, cats, cat bandits... Going in, raiding towns. They're cat burglars. Literally, yes. Cat burglar. (laughs) Oh, and there's this one old samurai played by Samuel L. Jackson. He's amazing. I love him. Ah, Chef's kiss. Can marry me any day he wants. Anyway. um, But yeah, no. So he's like this old samurai guy. And then he's like in hiding and stuff like that. He doesn't want to be a samurai anymore. He's retired. And then this dog comes in. And this dog wants to be a samurai. He's like, yeah, let me be a samurai. And it's like, just, it's a very interesting movie overall, of course. He becomes a samurai. He gets the shit beat out of him. He still does it. And then he wins, yada, yada, yada. I I feel like I've watched Kung Fu Panda before. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. But my thing was um, the jokes. There definitely should have been a warning about those jokes. Um, Because it was a lot of, political jokes put in a kids movie but not in a good taste if that makes sense
0: mm, yeah that makes sense like
1: some of the yeah like it wasn't i didn't i think my biggest thing was i just didn't expect the jokes like you you kind of stop and like did he really just say that Like, wait, wait I didn't hear him say that, right? Like, it was just a lot of, like, oh, hold on. I don't think you can make that joke. Um, I mean, I guess you can. But, yeah, (laughs) it was just a lot of, like, weird jokes that kind of took me out of the movie right off the bat. And I was like, oh, um, that's interesting. And I don't really like movies that take me out of the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. if, if I'm not fully invested, I'm... I have ADD, okay? I'm My attention's everywhere. If you don't have me involved, invested, I'm gone. Like, you've lost me. And I think that was my, my biggest thing. Um, and then, honestly, I felt like... I know it was a kid's movie, but Pixar does really good about kids' movies being good for adults and invested in, like, keeping all ages, like, interested in the movie. However, I felt like this one... Was just very point by point story circles. Like I could literally see the story circle in front of me as it all happened mm-hmm. for each character specifically, and it was just too on the nose for me. And I was like, mm. like I get it. It was a good movie. It was beautifully like shot in the animation. The casting was hilarious. Some of the jokes were good. It just it just too. It felt too on the nose for me. And I literally I was like, eh, okay, that was a good movie, I guess, but. Eh, Definitely don't think I'll ever watch it again You
0: know I would say yeah I I heard about it And when I saw the trailer I was like not really interested I'm already a huge Kung Fu Panda fan I know that's what I'm going to compare it to So good to know what to avoid Uh, For those listening at home Taylor only had three and I still have three more to go So we're just going to (laughs) get that through But before I go on to three to one Taylor do you have any dishonorable mentions Or just movies you're just kind of like I wasn't a fan of this
1: Um honestly I don't think so. I have a lot of honorable mentions. So much so that you can get mad at me, but (laughs) that's fine. Hey, I got honorable mentions (laughs)
0: here, so but yeah. Perfect,
1: but yeah, let's just get into your worst and then we'll we'll switch over because I have way too many honorable mentions.
0: (laughs) Uh so coming in at number three for me was Disenchanted.
1: Ugh. I'm mad at you for that one. Mm. I could
0: I I mean my biggest problem, I'm a huge fan of the first Enchanted, and uh. I liked that it was a parody of the fil- of the films that came before it, of like the overly princessy films. What I liked, mm-hmm. though, is that that first movie acknowledged what worked and what didn't work about those things, and then built a mm-hmm. really great story around it. Disenchanted, yeah. I will say the second act of this movie I love, but the first act mm-hmm. is so, made me realize, oh, we're not going to do a parody or we're, we're just going to tell a story here okay well what type of story and then mm-hmm. I was intrigued I was like okay are we making fun of the fairy tale worlds are we going to make fun of this and that and I thought we were going to do some really cool trope expectation subversion to the point that the movie almost got off my worst list when Amy mm-hmm. Adams and Maya Rudolph had that whole song about who's going to be the better villain that song yes! slayed it was the greatest thing <sighs> And I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. movie, where are you taking me?" And then we yeah. open on one of the most disappointing animated segments ever. Disney, you are the freaking king of hand-drawn animation. <laughs> so why the frick does your animation look like that? It's like, fair. and I, I can't. I don't know if I can blame the animators on this. Yeah. it looks like they cut corners on something that makes Disney so, that makes oh. Disney so recognizable.
1: And I, I think they were sad. trying to. I I think they were trying to stick to the old two, like early two thousands film, because that's exactly what it was—the early 2000s mm-hmm. animation.
0: But I'm so saying maybe? that even in, even when I look back at the first Enchanted, that animation, yeah. even in the early two thousands, was fluid. It was gorgeous looking. They did it well. Fair. This has yeah. choppy animation, slow moving stuff, and then mm-hmm. we get followed up by. Adina Menzel is such a great singer. I can't believe she said yes to this song. Love Power. Uh, what the frick was that? Love Power? I, was, I keep yeah. hearing it and i think Captain Planet is going to come in. It did not yeah. look good. It did not sound good. And that whole third act is so... Mm-hmm. Sh- it's so shoddily shot. It, the cinematography suddenly doesn't get good. The editing mm-hmm. gets really bad. The sound mixing, the design, even the actors Mm -hmm. are well overdoing it. And when they've been playing it really strong this whole time. And so that ending, I think it's not the, I think the ending it's uh, in of itself, I get what they're trying to do. And I think the ending Mm -hmm. is okay on paper, but in execution, it was so bad, bland and weak. Mm -hmm. And on a personal note, James Marsden, the prince. Oh, gosh. Oh my Uh gosh, I love James Marsden. And Uh when I, one of the things that annoyed me, I hear him sing with Adina Menzel at the beginning. Why the Mm -hmm. frick was Love Power not a duet between the two of them? Because those two sounded heavenly together. The other thing is, he was the best part of the first movie. Like, I know that's a a popular opinion, but he fully believed himself to be that prince to the point that you didn't Mm -hmm. hate him. You were like, he's just an airhead. He's the world's biggest (laughs) himbo. And I love him. And then in yeah. the second movie, he's so severely cut out. And it's sad because mm-hmm. every time he's on screen, he's great. And then me and my mm-hmm. brother hated this thing. My brother watched this with me. <laughs> that freaking squirrel. Like in the first movie, he was intentionally supposed to sound sound as awful as possible because they knew they were going yeah. to stop his voice. And that was the joke, which I was fine with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Second movie, he's the narrator. And it is, yeah. <sighs> I never thought I would be asking for Olaf and Frozen more than I was at that moment. I was <laughs> so, so, Ugh, it was Yeah. not a, a disenchanted left me feel, disen- was disenchanting to me, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I will disagree on the ending. I actually really liked the ending. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the first ending. I will say, I believe there are three endings to that movie, and that is what I did not like. The first ending was the ending that I really liked, where Giselle's about to disappear. She's like littering away. And then I think, uh, what's her name? Megan or Maggie. I don't know. The kid. That's Maya Rudolph. Yes, Maya Rudolph. She like grabs the wand and then she's like, I wish to go home. Oh, wait, and that's then her she daughter, goes right? Home.
0: That's her daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not Maya Rudolph. Yes. sorry.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, the daughter. Um, But, yeah, no, she wishes to go home, and then everything's fine. And then we figure out, oh, yeah, you know, like, magic only works for people who, like, wield it. Otherwise, everyone thinks it's a dream. And then Amy Adams goes into the shop, makes up with, like, the other moms. It's beautiful. I love it. And then all of a sudden, they cut to another after shot where they're in the park. And it's a cute scene. Don't get me wrong. It's a cute scene. I just don't think it's needed. And then they cut again to the animated squirrel closing out the book, and I'm like, okay, now this is just—I—I want the movie to be over now. Like, what? Yeah, we've
0: replayed this. It was—it's weird Mm because I was complaining about how Scrooge didn't wrap things up well. This movie takes forever to wrap up. You're just like, exactly. Come on, we Mm -hmm. want to go home. Well, wait, we're already home. Just—I don't want to click back. Exactly. And I feel bad because I can tell that the director of this movie had has such a cool, crazy vision. I mm-hmm. just felt like the script needed a lot more time to be punched up and oh, 1, when they heard love power, the director should have looked at Alan Mencken and the writers and gone no.
1: No. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that. That one song, I feel like if they had slowed it down in the beginning and let it build up and have her sing, she couldn't belt. I will say she was beautiful at belting those songs. Those I just shows think they needed a superb. different
0: freaking song.
1: Exactly. It just needed to be more impactful. You couldn't just have all this stuff going around, all like swirling, swirling. My and big all problem of sudden, with
0: Love Power ah, is that ah, it feels ah. like a song that Dis- that Enchanted was directly making fun of the first time around. Yeah. And yeah. it was that was disappointing.
1: It, it was. I will agree. With that one, yes. I will say I did like all the little hints of Disney without like throughout the movie. I love the little, like, how they low-key... Like, in the script, they kind of tried to entwine a bunch of different, like, Disney movies. Like, Mm -hmm. the daughter, uh, the magic swirling around her, and she has her Cinderella moment all in a blue gown. I thought that was adorable. Mm -hmm. How the uh, two, like, Hinch women were dressed up as, like, the evil stepsisters. I loved that. Loved it. I love her going, oh, poison apple, maybe. Like, I love those little, like, hints that, it like, Mm -hmm. other Disney movies and stuff like that. It was fun. Yeah, if no. nothing,
0: it needed more time before going in. Mm-hmm. But coming in Definitely. number two for me, I wonder if you're going to actually rag on this one with me oh, or I if will. you're going to defend Uncharted. Nope.
1: Mm-mm. How dare you? How dare okay. you?
0: <laughs> I am coming at this in two ways. One, as a big movie <laughs> fan. And two, uh-huh. as somebody who's played the Uncharted games. Oh, okay.
1: You know okay, what? I will. That's, I'm going
0: to fair. defend this. I will defend something that the internet has not been I like Tom Holland as young Nathan Drake. I think he's fine. I think his acting's great. I think the script writes Nathan poorly. Like, this is... Like, Nathan in this... He's this charismatic, suave, nice person. Like, they make him this very introverted, very much moody, broody teen. I'm a young Batman-er. And Mm. where in the games, he is this upbeat, open guy. And I get it. You want him to go on an arc and a journey... But he's still the same mm-hmm. moody, introverted person. By the end,
1: come yeah. on, y'all,
0: this is and it's Tom Holland. This should not be hard. Fair. Mark Wahlberg, Fair. I thought was sleepwalking through this whole movie. And really? I think he was sleepwalking. He just he looked like he did not care to be there. He was just, I'm here. I'm not really Sully, but you know, a uh, Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. hi. When the character of Sully yeah. is this old, big thing, and I get it, you want to a younger actor. I still think Mm -hmm. you could have an older actor playing that role. And I'm just saying, Bruce Campbell is right there. Bruce Campbell Mm -hmm. is Sully. Like, imagine all those lines being said by a man that's kind of like, hey, how can I help you out? Are you ready for some (laughs) help, kid? Like, he'd be so perfect for that role. And then the action was so... The Uncharted games are known for their crazy, amazingly cool action. And this was just so... Painfully generic and so unappealing. I can't yeah. like the things that they, I can remember are things they stole right from the games. Like,
1: Oh dang.
0: Yeah. And then I, the villains were so weak. I, mm-hmm. the villains were bland and it was overall just a bland action movie. And when you yeah. play the uncharted games, you know what it can be. I'm not going to get into the production of this movie. Cause I know that was a mess. Uh, I will say though, oh. If your movie's in trouble because you had to go through ten directors in the span of four months, you're in trouble. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Dang. I didn't know that. Mm-mm.
0: I mean, I, I am I do... wanting to know what you are, are defending about, though, because I can see why somebody would like this, so.
1: I, I do want to play devil's advocate, I was just about to say, because that opening shot was absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, having the the coin falling, and then all of a sudden we pan, and all of a sudden it's right into an action sequence. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. I Mm -hmm. loved that. Stolen right from the Uncharted games. Exactly, yeah. Um, Well, is it really? Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Huh. Um, I will agree that Mark Wahlberg, I just feel that in general with Mark Wahlberg and a lot of his characters, it's Mark Wahlberg playing a character. Like, if you go back and watch any of his other movies, it's him playing a character. It's why we won't discuss this further, but why I will not go see the new Super Mario Bros. movie. I do not want to see Chris Pratt playing Mario. I want to see Mario like Jack Black does with Bowser. Anyway, I'm going off track. Um, but yeah, no. Hmm. I just, I feel like Mark Wahlberg definitely could have done a lot more for the character. I think he just kind of relied on his looks and his like, oh, I'm just like this guarded person um, to do everything for him acting wise. I loved Tom Holland, seeing Tom Holland as another character, though. Mm-hmm. I love seeing him in a different persona, playing something else. I think he did a phenomenal job with what he was given. For
0: me, I'm to just felt I... visionless. Like, there wasn't a yeah. vision. It was just, we need to get this movie out.
1: Mm, I can understand that. I can definitely understand that, yeah. Because it's definitely not one of the movies that I would want to go see again. It's like, oh yeah, that was a good movie. Next.
0: Yeah. But coming mm-hmm. in for me okay. at number one.
1: <sighs> okay. <laughs>
0: May the meme gods <laughs> ray down upon me freaking <laughs> morbius yeah the problem yeah, with morbius pretty bad the thing with morbius i actually know the character from the 90s spider-man animated cartoon where he was mm-hmm. endlessly fascinating because you never yeah. knew what side he was going to be on and how he mm-hmm. would help others who didn't know what side they wanted to be on and do what he had to do but on top mm-hmm. of that this is a freaking jekyll and hyde guy a guy who is his whole life hasn't been able to use his legs suddenly can can has his all these cool abilities but the trade off is he has to feast on blood and this movie is a bloodless movie like really? you have the ability to make a vampire horror comic book movie and Fair. the freaking two the both the anti-hero and the villain of this movie are vampires how do you ah! mess that up so badly there I just yeah the store the cinematography looks so bland and dull doing what is my least favorite cinematography trick of just blue and gray shades just all stacked on top of one another
1: Ooh, no, it's no, no, so no, no, unappealing
0: no. the only thing yeah. that kind of helps one matt smith doesn't know what movie he's in so he just goes for broke and it's flipping oh hilarious uh, and the other thing funny. as much as i do not like him Jared Leto actually is really restrained here. He's known for going so over the top and I'm trying to act. And here Uh I felt like he was actually acting for once. He actually didn't do a bad job. And I feel like I can't, I don't have anything to back this up, but it feels Mm -hmm. like this was meant to be an R rated movie. And then Mm -hmm. they didn't make it. So they made it PG 13. So incredibly disappointing. The post credit scene was so stupid and I just, I don't care. I don't care about Morbius, yeah. though it made more billion dollars than we'll ever make. And it was morbid time now all over. I don't care. It's the worst movie of the year.
1: I Yeah, I definitely will agree with you on that because it, from what I heard, I never saw it. I, it flopped. Even the trailer, I'm going to say, even the trailer didn't look good. Like there was no clear direction as to where the movie was going to go. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that And so that's part of the reason why I didn't go and see it Because there was no real Like oh yeah I want to do this Or oh it's going to go here Or oh I really want to see this clip And see what they do with that mm-hmm. It was just kind of like oh okay here it is The only reason why I almost went Was because I heard it was part of the Marvel Universe And then but not even, even really
0: And not really it's exactly. part of the Sony Spider-Verse Which I'm exactly, just like yeah. stop it It's not good uh,
1: yeah, it's not good. It's not gonna happen. Oh
0: man, Teddy, I am feeling bogged down by the stinkers, especially that Morbius. I can smell that blood a mile away.
1: <laughs> well then, let's then take a moment to honor the movies that you know blew us away, the movies that made us think, the movies that pushed us to appreciate the medium of film a little bit more. And you know what keeps coming us? Oh, what keeps making us come back to the theaters? And I wish I could speak better. Anyway.
0: <laughs> you can redo that if you want to.
1: Oh, no, that's fine.
0: All right. I liked it. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's dive right in and I'll have you start off with your number five.
1: Bet. Okay. So let's see here. Um, which one do I want to? Okay. Um, I'm going to start off. Number five was Marry Me. And I know you're going to judge me. Don't even think about it. I love Mary Me. I don't Marry judge me.
0: people who love movies.
1: I loved Marry Me. I thought it was absolutely amazing. It was beautiful. It reminded me of like early 2000 rom-coms and it just made my heart so warm. Yes, it was very unrealistic. I will agree. I do understand it is very unrealistic. But so was this other movie that came out on Netflix. I think it was like the Christmas song or something like that. It was still unrealistic, but I still loved it. I thought it was a beautiful movie. I love seeing Jennifer Lopez again. I love seeing Owen Wilson outside of a, oh, hey, I'm a comic relief character. I thought it was really good, you know? I actually, it made my heart warm, and That's I loved awesome. it. So that was my pitch. I not seen Marry Me,
0: but I will say, I do Ugh. like romantic comedies. I do like romantic mm-hmm. movies. I will mm-hmm. get judgmental about if I feel the relationship is toxic. I can say there's a believable relationship, And then Mm -hmm. there's the toxic, but it's a movie. So isn't it great? It's like, no, it's why I have a problem with Love Actually, because several of Mm. those relationships in that movie tick me off. So that one, but I can see like Marry Me, I heard good things about it. And I mean, Jen Mm -hmm. Lo, it's Jen Lo. How can you not love Jen Lo?
1: I know. I will guarantee their relationship is not toxic. That's why I love it so much is that he genuinely brings out the best in her and she makes him more brave as a person. And Mm -hmm. I just, oh, it's just, it's beautiful because you can really see why the characters should be together. And it just warmed my heart. It was just Mm -hmm. chef's kiss. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Also, if you want to see toxic character relationships, look at the uh, kissing booth, that trilogy. Mm -hmm. Awful. (laughs) The first movie was great. Second movie, trash. Uh, Same thing with the after series. First movie was great. Loved it. Second movie, literally, there was no reason why they should have gotten back together. But of course, they got back together because fuck toxic relationships, right? Fuck girls actually standing up for themselves and not accepting those toxic relationships anymore. Apparently. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) sidetracked. You're good.
0: Coming Mm -hmm. in at my number five is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. (sighs) Oh, man. So a bit about me. I like Mm -hmm. the first Black Panther. I don't love Mm -hmm. it. I don't think it's a best picture nominee thing. I felt it's a very high mid-tier Marvel movie, in my opinion. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: But Wakanda Forever is high S-tier Marvel movie for me. Oh, 1,000%. This is everything I want a Black Panther movie to be. It feels epic in scale. It really makes you feel for every character. The acting all around is just phenomenal. And I can tell with the passing of Chadwick Boseman and their decisions they made with this movie, it Mm. felt so real. It felt so genuine and so believable. And Mm -hmm. the action this time around, where the first movie had good action, this one was taking it up to an 11 and just went went for broke. And Mm -hmm. I loved every sequence in this movie. What I love about this also is Tanakuerta as Namor. And this is mm-hmm. a character from the comics that people have been begging for for years. And mm-hmm. here's the thing: I've talked with like die-hard Namor fans, who, who are like who've actually read the comics and have talked about him. Yeah. And they all say the same thing: this isn't the same Namor from the comics, page for page, word for word, but it is the mm-hmm. same Namor in spirit. They changed oh. a lot of what made him made him Namor in the comics, but he mm-hmm. still holds that same character and that same edge of who he is. Oh. Yeah, based on just his per- performance alone, and coming out of yeah. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, that's oh a God. really hard mantle to take up.
1: That was such a <laughs> shocker, and I absolutely love that they did that.
0: It, it oh was yeah. such in, a in plot case you guys twist. haven't seen the movie. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alerts. There is a yes. scene involving Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. I'm not going to say what it is or who it is,
1: mm-hmm. but oh, dang.
0: Beautiful. Also, beautiful. Letitia Wright is so oh magnificent in this movie. She delivers 1, it 000%. so powerfully. La Pizza mm-hmm. Nyong'o is still my fu- one of my many future wives that I have a crush on. Yep. She is so mm-hmm. beautiful in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Angela Bassett is going to get an Oscar nomination for this movie. She, she better. She uh, she dropped the mic and said, "Okay, all you mm-hmm. are good. It's kind of it kind of reminded me of what Willem Dafoe did in Spider-Man No Way Home. Where they're oh, all yeah. like, "Okay, y'all are great. You all are really great. Let me show you what a real pro can do." Literally. And, mm, he did. Mm-hmm. Every, she nailed it. The action was great. I love the story, mm-hmm. and I like and I especially love the ending fight to this. Mm-hmm. That ending oh, fight goodness, uh, yeah. between who becomes Black Panther and Namor. Mm-hmm. the other thing I love that they did this is on the more personal note I love what they did with M'Baku because in the first movie M'Baku played by Winston Duke was my favorite mm-hmm. character yeah. so this time around they gave him not just more to do and make him still that fun character but he had so yeah. much let la- da- layers and depth to him mm-hmm. that I was just like oh, yeah. more please, more and I was shocked to figure out that people didn't like this movie I could see where some people are like it's such an emotional roller coaster. I don't know if I can handle oh. it but people Fair. walking out saying it's actually bad because it's emotional, and I'm like, oh. no, 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 no. This is a movie that's gonna make you sit
1: and I'm feel. So... It's
0: it's cathartic. I feel like this movie is very cathartic because it makes you mm-hmm. have to deal with some deal with some stuff that you don't want to have to think about. But I'm glad Marvel mm-hmm. chose to go that route, and I'm glad that Ryan Coogler got to make this version. And I'm really yeah. happy with how it turned out. It was such a powerful movie and I'm so in love with it.
1: Oh, 1000%. I also love, um, my boss that I, uh, interned with. He is from Mexico. He was born and raised, lived there most of his life. And we were talking about this film. And He's like, I love that they actually accurately, um, depicted the Mexo American culture. He said, everything that you saw there on the screen was accurate to like our culture and everything. Like I think he said, like the language, the traditions, the way they dress and stuff like that. And he said he was really happy to see that they actually took the time to make sure that everything was like accurate to their culture. And just to like really bring that to life on screen. He said it was amazing, like feeling to see. And I also think that um, actor was absolutely amazing um, it was just beautiful to kind of see him like develop this character because I personally haven't seen him yet as like an actor in any movies, but it was really cool to see him kind of like in my mind as a breakout character and just mm-hmm. come and just destroy like in a beautiful way, just take over the whole movie. I felt every feeling that I was supposed to feel and I love the plot, the way they set it up. So that Lupita and his character at the very end, in that very like last fight scene, you felt and you saw and you knew that they were pretty much on the same boat, that they were pretty much the same person. In oh, the don't same you mean situation. Sherry Letitia
0: Wright's character?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did I say the wrong? Oh my God, I did. Yeah, you my said Lupita Nyong'o.
0: To be fair, <laughs> you say Lupita Nyong'o, and my brain goes blank too. So. <laughs>
1: i will say America. something else
0: that i really like about wakanda forever that um now a lot of people complained about the american scenes or like all the stuff with the american government and really one, it's still a marvel movie so it's got to connect mm-hmm. some stuff and set up some stuff Two, yeah. i like that in all those conversations with the american government and people there mm-hmm. was no like right answer they're like look we gotta do this because otherwise we could get attacked and they're like yeah, yeah. We, but if we do we're going to inflict this and i really like Though, and I do like those conversations from every side and every angle because yeah. it makes that final fight all the more, if this goes one way or the other, whole world's yeah. about to go into crap. So exactly, yeah. that easily hit that. All right, but what do you have at number four for you?
1: Um, well, actually, number four was going to be my Wakanda Forever um, <laughs> because I also put it on my list. I thought it was... It was tough. It was beautiful. Um, those are just like my little notes. I don't understand why people said that it felt slow. I mean, I guess a little bit in the beginning, but I'm sorry. After watching Avatar, I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear <laughs> anything about it, okay? Because it was not that slow. And let me just tell you, the fact that in that opening sequence, that Marvel sequence, they put all the pictures to be Chadwick Boseman. Oh, my God. I was already crying. I thought I was prepared. I thought I was ready. And then that happened. And I was like, nope, uh-uh. I'm already crying. It's done. I'm literally tearing up just thinking about it right now. Oh, my God. It was just, ugh, oh, it was beautiful. I loved it. Um, But anyway, number four is actually a, um, it's the more of like an indie film.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I don't think a lot of people, I know I told you to watch it. And I know I'm going to mess up saying this, and I apologize in advance, but it's called The Banshees of In...
0: In In Banshees of Inishirin?
1: Yes, Inishirin. Yes. Oh my God. I've never seen a more accurately depicted Irish film in my entire life. Like, don't get me wrong. The Boondock Saints was a phenomenal film. It was great. I loved it. This film just, it, it was just beautiful all around. The actors were hilarious. The plot line was hilarious. And it's such a simple movie. And that's what I love about it even more. It's literally a movie about these two friends. And the older friend decides that he doesn't want to be friends with the younger friend anymore. And the younger friend, the whole movie, is trying to figure out why the older friend doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. And it's Colin Farrell and Brendan Gieson. And it is just absolutely hilarious. The whole movie, it's kind of like a comedy thing and then it kind of spirals into something more. And it gets really, really dark. And then the part that makes it Irish. The part that just, oh my god, it's hilarious. They've done everything literal, like burn each other's houses down, killed their animals and at the very end, within five minutes, they tie it up and end it. The guys meet on the beach. They look at each other. They say some lines and they're like, eh. Shake hands and it's over. They do all That's of that. Nice and then it's just, exactly. That's the most Irish thing I've ever seen. Like I can spit in your face. I almost cuss. I'm not allowed. I can spit in your face and then we'll literally turn around the next day and be like, hey, you want a beer? Yeah, okay, I bet, let's go. Like it's, just, it's, it's an Irish thing. I don't even know how to describe it. Like we get so angry. And of course the Guinness is in there. The pubs are in there. Oh my God, it's a beautiful freaking movie. And just the way they shot the whole thing, it's gorgeous. And like, it has, I've never had a film where I'm watching the most mundane thing ever. This guy is riding into town. He has like a horse drawn, like, it's not a carriage, it's like a, like a wooden, like bungalow thing. And I've never felt so much loss and hurt and resentment just from staring at a guy on a screen right like pulling a horse carriage like you see it all over his face the pure silence of the moment with just a little bit of like music in the background you felt every emotion and it just oh my god there's a reason it won film festivals that's all i'm saying it was absolutely phenomenal and i'm gonna make you watch that movie i'm telling you it's gonna happen i
0: have i've been hearing so much about it i know it's gonna Mm -hmm. get a bunch of oscar nominations
1: it has so and -hmm.
0: i know for oscar watch i'm gonna see it i do own my own personal oscar watch every year so Ooh. i definitely will have to check it out <clears throat> mm-hmm. coming in for me at number four was glass onion a knives Ooh. out story oh uh-huh. my gosh so i'm a huge fan of the first knives out yeah. this second one just it's just as good as the first one in my opinion Really? it is huh. so the ensemble acting is great daniel craig of course as mr Benoit Blanc himself oh, i am forever yes. going to love it the mystery, mm-hmm. I love that they make you think it's going to be so complicated. Again, like a glass onion, you think it's complicated. In reality, it's yeah. just uh, it's just a dumb little thing that you're like, oh, that's what's inside. Mm-hmm. And I think every actor in this is great. I think the standout for me was Edward Norton, just oh. as this character, what they mm-hmm. set him up to be and what he ended up being.
1: Uh, oh my God. So good.
0: But the other thing I love, cinematography steve yedlin is one of my favorite current cinematographers working today uh Mm -hmm. his works on star wars he's worked with uh ryan johnson on a lot on all his movies and his Mm -hmm. work on the last jedi the first Knives out looper Uh, it's so good and knowing that he's the cinematographer for ant man and the wasp quantum mania sign me up this dude is one of my favorite cinematographers working right now and mm-hmm. I'm so excited that he's going. Stevie Yedlin, huge fan of his. Production yeah. design is great. The costuming is great. The acting is great. The script is just so airtight, fun. Ooh, and okay. it is the also the personal note. It is the last. Um, it is the last uh, screen appearance of Miss Angela Lansbury and Mr. Stephen Sondheim. And they couldn't oh. go out in a sweeter way by playing Among Us with uh, Benoit. That's just oh the God, greatest way for it to funny. go out. And yeah. knowing, that, knowing that they're both murder mystery people themselves is so great, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was such a great movie.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch it. I was supposed to watch it, but um, yeah, no, I heard kind of mixed reviews about it, honestly. Like, some people said, oh, yeah, it was really good, and other people were like, eh, you know, it didn't live up to the hype, The sad, and the other thing. It was kind of just like lacked some things and i was like really my whole thing with
0: hype and everything is that Mm -hmm. i will have expectations of a movie but then before i go into a theater or a press play i will put my little expectations in a box and i just (laughs) sit back and i go okay movie what are you gonna do
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i definitely think more people need to do that that would help a lot honestly (laughs)
0: What are you gonna oh, yeah. What do you got for us for number 3? What do you got got us? For okay.
1: Number three? number 3, it's kind of like off the wall, I will say. Okay. But my number 3 best movie of 2022 is Don't Worry Darling. Hmm. With Harry Styles, Florence pooh uh Olivia Wilde and Chris Ms. Pine. Miss Florence
0: Pugh oh. herself.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. I don't know what it was. I think it was just the concept in general that really messed with your mind. The fact that you were literally sitting there until the last 30 minutes going, what is going on? There was no way your brain could actually like figure out what was going on. And I absolutely loved that because being a screenwriter, it's so easy now to like figure out plots and see where they're going and this that and the other thing. And I genuinely couldn't figure it out. I sat back and I was like, what am I watching? What is going on? Why? Like why is this happening? What is that? What does this mean? Like I'm so confused. And it was just phenomenally done. I will say I did have to go back and watch the ending twice just to be able to like connect all the dots. But I kind of love that though. I love when I have to go back and re-watch something in order to, like, fully get the concept in specifically, like, thriller, like, mind-messing movies. If I have to go do it for, like, a rom-com, I don't like it. But if it's, like, for those type of movies where that's kind of the point, that it makes you think, that it makes you, like, go, whoa, wait a second, let me, let me go see that again. I obviously missed something. Like, that is probably... It was done beautifully. The directing was beautiful. The cinematography was beautiful. The acting was, oh my goodness, it was superb. Even from Harry? Even from Harry, I will say. And I was kind of nervous because there was this one scene, spoiler alert, where he's in his car and it's like the breaking point. It's like the lead up right before the climax and she's getting dragged out of the car and he's like he's there and he has to live with his decision to turn in his wife and he's sitting there and you just see him start to hyperventilate and then he just loses his shit and starts screaming and slamming on the steering wheel it was so believable because it's very easy for that specific scene to not look believable but he went all in and I was oh my god I, I was like, because just... I
0: heard a lot. I haven't seen the movie yet. I've heard a lot I, of uh... bad things about the movie, but uh-huh. I will. I have been planning to check it out, and based on your recommendation, I'll be like, okay, open mind, movie time. Because it mm-hmm. is actually, I know for a lot of people, it ended up on their top ten worst of the year list.
1: Like really? I remember,
0: a lot of people are disappointed by it, and I've seen clips of it, and I can see where some people are coming from. But mm-hmm. I am gonna check it out. Give it my Excuse and give it my and it gives me an excuse to look at Florence Pugh again because exactly. she is my biggest uh, crush on Hollywood. But yes. my number three, we were talking about this, this complaint earlier, but my number three best of the year, Avatar the Way of Water. Now I can see where people don't like it. No. What I love as a start of a sequel, really mm. great. The children in this movie, it's so easy to make them not believable. But they mm-hmm. are all so believable as kids. I totally see oh, what yeah. they're doing. Sigourney Weaver is Kitty. Mm-hmm. The fact that this woman is in her 50s, 60s, and is believably playing a child is so impressive. Game. Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana, mm-hmm. and Now I know that they're actually parents in real lives. Yeah. So to see Jake and Natiri actually having to deal with parenthood and what they go through, so yeah. great. I think the villain this time around is so much more fascinating. The fact that he's not an exact copy of who he was. He's just somebody with the same memories and has that same emotional vulnerability to it. But Mm -hmm. now he is learning to live within this environment and the way Mm -hmm. that he plays with that and the depths they give him is so powerful. And while I do think they go on a little too long, I love the scenes of them exploring the world, of figuring out who they are and what this world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that there are plot points that are started that you know we're gonna have to wait to see how they all come together in the next movie.
1: Fair. I think yeah.
0: every action sequence in this movie was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: that final fight when the eclipse hits is just yeah. literally yeah. steep-grabbing, bone-chilling excitement. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. The fights with all the animal creatures, the depth, all the animals that die in this movie made me so sad. The oh my God, yeah. house, everything. And I thing is, it is a very simple story, but I like that it is simple because it means it's accessible, and it is mm. so well told. For me, I don't mind if a story is generic or generic or you know where it's going, because if it's told well, who cares? Yeah. It's done so well, and. I talked about my issues with it earlier, but honestly, I could keep watching this for. I I'm not gonna like rewatch it like five million times over and over again. Yeah. But oh my gosh, it was such an experience. And as somebody will, when we'll get into next week's topic, I'll talk about the first Avatar a little more in depth. Yeah. But that first one had a pretty profound impact on me as a kid, and yeah. seeing this one years later just hitting me as hard as it did, it was just. I was still. I'm excited because Avatar is not based on any existing IP property. It's just one man's story and idea and vision. It's a completely yeah. original story of his own creation and mind. Yeah. And the fact that it is the highest grossing movie of the year speaks volumes to where we're going. And yeah. I'll get into it a little more in my next pick. But I love that originality is really starting to come back, and I like that yeah. something just even simply original can be just as well received.
1: Yeah. I will say, though, another thing that I didn't like about it was the fact that the... Spoiler alert. Please do not listen to this if you haven't seen it. Um, the older brother dying was way too predictable. They set it up so perfectly, and it was way too predictable. Because they, they the younger brother literally said, I can never live up to you. You're too perfect. You do nothing wrong. I'm the one who always messes up. And then he goes... And puts himself in a situation where the older brother has to go and save him. And then he dies. It was too predictable. It was I way too say, predictable. Yes,
0: even if it's predictable, I don't mind it because I think every actor sells it. Yeah. sells that power of his death. Like, even if you know it's coming. I like mm-hmm. to say the a movie where I knew someone was going to die is, excuse me, is the remake mm-hmm. of A Star is Born. Like, from the first mm-hmm. two minutes, you know what's going to happen. Like they oh. really set it up, but you don't want it to happen. You know, what's coming. You're sitting there just begging, please don't let it happen. So while I yeah. knew that the older brother was going to die, I was yeah. sitting there the whole movie like, please don't, please. No, no, I really <laughs> don't. So when he Fair. does, it's just like, no. And mm-hmm. Zoe Donna being the mother who cries over her kid. It's never easy oh, to watch, oh, oh, and oh, oh, oh. so as predictable as it was, I think it's so yeah. well executed that I don't mind I saw it coming, because mm-hmm. I know a bunch of people who didn't see it coming, and it hurt them really well. Yeah,
1: fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. But
0: we're wow. getting
1: now into the top two. So Ooh-hoo. what is
0: your second favorite movie of the year? Um,
1: Well, since you stole my Wakanda forever, I'm going to have to mention one of my Netflix movies, which I wasn't going to mention because I Love have, l- let it be known. I have eight best movies this year, which I'll, if we have time, I'll just like graze over really quick. Um, But I think my number two is Netflix's Look Both Ways with Lily mm-hmm. Reinhart, Danny Ramirez, and, uh, Aisha D. Oh my goodness! I I think this is another movie that I told you to watch. It was so phenomenal. Just like the way, oh, literally, basically, it's this idea that this one girl, she she's in college, she's about to graduate. It's literally the last night they're celebrating. They're at a party, and she has sex with her guy best friend that she's known since I think high school, and. Danny Ramirez, and literally the whole movie takes on from that moment, and it splits in two. So, one side, you see um, the next day where she finds out that she's, or not the next day, but like the next couple days afterwards, next month, where she finds out she's pregnant. And so that whole lifeline takes you down the path of like what happens if she did get pregnant from Danny Ramirez, and of course he stays, he's a good father, but like, of course... Things get messed up, it goes downhill, it's horrible, and then it comes together again. And then the other path is a path of if she didn't get pregnant, she goes off, she has her own life, she meets somebody new. It's like this great, amazing story, of course, that goes downhill, yada yada yada, it comes back, it's beautiful, and then at the very end, I'm not kidding, I kid you freaking not. The two lives, the two like versions of her come back to the house side by side on screen and then they walk back into the house where she graduated. They walk back into the bathroom, that very decision, and they look at each other in the mirror or they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I'm okay. Like I'm going to be okay. And then they leave and we pan to that first girl sitting on the toilet holding the pregnancy test. And she, it, we just see her reaction. It's like, huh. but it still doesn't tell us which life she lived. And it is the, li- oh, my God, it is such a phenomenal movie. The screenwriter, April Prozer, did such a good job. And I just, I will forever be a fan of her as a screenwriter. And just, oh, my goodness. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I will forever preach that movie to people because it's just so well written. Oh, my God. Huh. Anyway amazing movie loved it no i'm definitely
0: gonna have to check that out that definitely i can see why that's your number two of the year
1: you my number two so
0: my two and one i went back and forth on these both of these Mm -hmm. so many times yeah and i know it's not everyone some people are gonna be really happy and some people aren't but Mm -hmm. yeah let's get into what i considered my number two Mm -hmm. my second uh favorite movie second best movie of the year not my favorite but second best (laughs) of the year Yeah. Everything everywhere all at once
1: I was wondering what that
0: was Holy crap Everything (laughs) everywhere all at once was Mm -hmm. Truly Remarkable Like I saw it last week of December Because it was playing catch up I was going to go see it for my birthday And Mm -hmm. then I got called into uh, a job And so I had to go do that job And hopefully It will be coming out sometime Mm -hmm. earlier this year And Uh um. But, so I finally got around to seeing it. Whoa. It is a remarkable movie. Yeah. In every sense of the word. The whole premise, if I can even explain it, because it's freaking weird, is this woman played by Michelle Yeoh is dealing with, like, this terrible life, and then suddenly her husband shifts and and says, listen, I'm not your husband. I'm your husband from another universe, and you are in danger. And... It suddenly shifts into a movie about a multiverse that she can travel through and bring into it as she's, and it's actually a commentary on depression, on social, on social status, on nihilism, Mm -hmm. and this really powerful story about how to live your life and what lives we choose to live and Mm -hmm. how we go about living it. Yeah. It is also freaking weird. Like, the least weirdest thing in this movie that happens is that she goes into a universe where she has hot dogs for fingers. Where that's everyone has weirdest... hot dogs for fingers. That's the that's least the weirdest least thing weird. that happens. Yep, that's the least weirdest thing that happens in this movie. They play what? fast and loose with the creativity that mm-hmm. people... that There's a reason that when Doctor Strange came out this year, when the sequel to Doctor Strange came out and it was a multiverse mm-hmm. movie, everyone was disappointed. Because everything, everywhere, all at once was, sup- was way better at doing multiverse. Uh, and okay. the action is phenomenal. The acting is phenomenal. Because the actors are all playing like 20 different versions of themselves from other Damn. universes. Michelle uh-huh. Yeoh is, I think, in her late 50s, early 60s, I want to say. That's what mm-hmm. I think. And she does kung yeah. fu in this movie. And nails Dang. it. She okay. looks incredible. She sounds incredible. She does such a great job as an actor.
1: And uh-huh. oh my
0: God, I love her in this movie. She is so good. Everyone is phenomenal. I would shock me if they didn't get a best screenplay at the Oscars for this. Yeah, They could bring that home. And they could even potentially pull out a best director for the two Ooh. directions and the ways. from the Daniels are fantastic. So highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It Mm -hmm. is weird, it's crazy, but it's also incredibly emotional. It's Uh incredibly impactful. And people are going to be sitting here like, that's your number two, because number one is really big. But before I get to my number one, you should Mm -hmm. tell us your favorite, your best movie of the year.
1: Okay, my best movie of the year. I will never not have this be my favorite movie of all time. I'm sorry, it is beautiful it is amazing the casting honestly i will argue that this is probably the best movie of all time from the screenplay to the actors to who they cast as a director oh my goodness okay it is bullet train i absolutely love bullet train It will be a movie I watch at least twice a year for the rest of my life. And it's probably going up there with my all-time favorite movie, The Sandlot. Yes, that is my favorite movie. I will not back down on it. It's just, oh my God, the way they connect the people with Brad Pitt to Aaron Taylor Johnson to... Freaking Bad Bunny and Logan Learman and Joey King. It just, it was so beautiful how they interconnected all their different stories. I do wish Zazie Beetz and Logan Learman had a little bit more time as well as Bad Bunny. They didn't. However, I understand because you only have so much time. But yeah, no, it was just an amazing, oh my God, it was such an amazing, like, plot. The characters were all believable. Don't even get me started about Tangerine and Lemon. I don't want to talk about it. It's going to make me cry. I don't want to talk about it. But it was just so good how they just, oh, the connections and the acting. And it was also funny. I liked the fact that Brad Pitt and um, Channing Tatum and, um, what's her name, Sandra Bullock, all had like a little like this only you only know this if you watch The Lost City and then you watched uh, Bullet Train because those three actors were also in uh The Lost City. Except Channing Tatum played the lead role and Brad Pitt was like the, the minor role. And you can tell that they literally they, they picked up and they made like a little nugget in Bullet Train from the lost city because they, they all like had that connection. And that's exactly why Sandra Bullock was the woman on the phone at the end of the movie with Brad Pitt. And that's why Channing Tatum was the guy sitting in the seat being like, it's this sex stuff. Like that's exactly why, like it's literal little antidotes into the lost city, which I thought was freaking phenomenal. And I just, yeah, I love it. It was beautiful. I, uh, beautiful movie. Beautiful. Loved it. Loved it. That's <laughs> great.
0: Yes. I haven't seen bullet train But I will definitely check it out My dad saw it and he <sighs> liked it so.
1: You haven't uh, seen it yet?
0: I haven't seen it yet so.
1: <gasps> oh my god I'm going to make you watch it now It has to happen <laughs> My it number one
0: ooh, This one This one made <laughs> me so sad Number <laughs> one best movie of the year In my opinion mm-hmm. Gilmero, Gilmero del Toro's Pinocchio
1: Really? So
0: we had three Pinocchio movies come out this year. Uh-huh. Um, one with Polly Shore. You know, Father, uh-huh. when can I go out on my own? Which is oh. the funniest thing ever. We had the <laughs> awful Disney live-action remake from Robert Zemeckis that Fair. is disappointing. And then oh. we get Netflix's Pinocchio from Guillermo del Toro. Oh. <sighs> This is the definition of a movie being bittersweet. This is oh. a movie that really hits you hard because it takes the mythos of Pinocchio, it takes the story you know, and then mm-hmm. really makes you sit with some of the lessons they're teaching. Mm-hmm. And it is dark. And the fact that it's dark because it is set during fascist Italy as the mm-hmm. rise of Nazism is on the, is on the brink. Yeah. You have an opening 10 minutes of a movie, which... Which set up the entire story that breaks your heart. I don't know why Uh I'm getting emotional. You have this amazing story. This is the best version of Geppetto we've ever gotten. That's really, really great. You have Mm -hmm. Pinocchio himself, who starts off as this little brat, and then you grow to really, really, really love him. And what he gives up and does at the end is so powerful. And the animation is stellar because it's stop-motion animation, and it took mm-hmm. three years to make this movie. Oh, and damn. it looks fantastic. It has done so well. The actors in this movie are incredible.
1: You mm-hmm. have
0: Ron Perlman, of course, as a fascist general, and who's also a dad who treats his son horribly. Oh. You have David Harbour, an underrated actor, as Geppetto. Just uh-huh. absolutely breaking your heart. You're angry at him, but you know why he is the way he is. Yeah. Ewan McGregor as as the cricket is so good. He he's not Jiminy okay. Excuse me. He's not Jiminy Cricket, but he is the mm-hmm. cricket, and he is so great in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Christoph
0: Waltz as the carnival barker is just an amazing performance. Yeah. And the songs are great. The animation is stellar the ending is the definition of bitter and sweet. It really makes you sit with everything that people have to go through in life. Mm-hmm. And it ends so perfectly. The story was yeah. great. And I went back and forth because Everything Everywhere all at once was impressive because it was a movie mm-hmm. made for $20 million that ended up grossing $150 million worldwide Damn, as I'm A24's highest grossing. And it's impressive. It is a directing masterclass for live action films. Yeah. And I went back and forth on it cuz Del Toro but I felt Del Toro's artistry with Pinocchio and the way they told the story was so so good. It was so powerful. So yeah. for me, I had for me it came down just to legacy at that point. The Daniels mm-hmm. what they're going to do in the future is incredible, but Del, Guillermo Del Toro has start has continued to make just phenomenal movies. Has hit it out of the park almost uh-huh. every time. So uh-huh. for me, With that legacy vote in place, Gamal Del Toro's Pinocchio takes home, in my opinion, what was the best movie of the year.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'll definitely have to check it out then, honestly.
0: And finally, those movies that maybe aren't the greatest of the year, but they're still number one in our hearts.
1: These movies might not win awards, but they'll still have a seat at our table.
0: If the best of the year is like wine, then these movies are water.
1: These are the top favorite five picks of movies this year. I didn't say that correctly again, but it's fine. We're just moving on at this All right. point. <laughs> Go
0: ahead. What's your number five?
1: Okay. Um, so my number five would be a uh, Netflix film. It's called Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. It's a French Netflix f- film that literally tore my heart out. Oh, my goodness. I actually started watching it on accident um because uh whenever i get my nails done i go to like this little nail tech lady and she always has random stuff playing on the tv and this was one of the things that she had playing and i literally instantly fell in love with the characters and the story that they were telling and it's basically like this girl she moves from another part of france um to uh just basically start over her life it's her and her dad and she has this cousin there and so she's talking to her cousin they get invited to a party well this popular guy is like oh well hi like my name is like yeah like let me like kind of take you out and she's like "Mm, no thank you and of course he's trying to put on like this big guy acts like oh I'm Mr. Popular yada yada and she's kind of like pushing him off and it's honestly it's like a rom-com movie sort of thing and it was just really beautifully written you get kind of like engulfed in their whole world and you really start rooting for the characters and it's really cool because you. it also is a very realistic film so it's not mm-hmm. like a stereotypical teen rom-com where like everything is perfect and yada 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 there's a bunch of senseless drama no it's literally you see the flaws in their characters and you see like just how beautiful they are when they fully like get through their character arc and it's just really cool
0: Mm-hmm my number five is going to be uh we talked about it earlier being one of the best but wakanda forever was one of my favorite movies of the year Mm -hmm. gorgeous cinematography great acting i think on a personal level just hits me hard so yeah not going to talk about it too long number five (laughs) what was your number four
1: uh number four was probably the bad guys it was an animated movie uh, about the big bad wolf um and his friends like there's like a shark a snake a tarantula it was just really funny. It was such a cute movie. I went and saw it by myself. I know, sad. <laughs> anyway, um, I just absolutely loved it. It was a really good movie, really funny. The voice actors were amazing. Um, the plot was really good for a kid's movie. That's what I was talking about earlier. For a kid's movie, it was really well done. Done enough for like an adult to still watch it and be fully invested and not really get or understand the plot twist. I will say the plot twist was very well, very well done as well.
0: Very nice. My number four is going to be weird. The Al Yankovic Mm -hmm. story starring Uh, Daniel Radcliffe doing the 1000% factually, totally not at all made up (laughs) biopic of weird Al Yankovic down to him fighting drug cartels before his untimely assassination in the 1980s. And yet he's still somehow with us, which is impressive. Uh, It was a very funny movie being a Mm. massive weird Al fan. This is the perfect movie for him. And I just I love the entire movie. It's weird. Mm. It's fun and yeah. I think you should all go watch it if you're a huge Weird Al fan. There are cameos galore that are great, and it's not afraid oh, yeah. to be just ridiculous. It's amazing. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. <laughs> um, bet. Well, my number three spot goes to Bros, um, the movie about two guys, basically, that um, one of them is Out and Proud Gay, and the other one is and proud but more closeted than the other and it really hit home a bunch of like stereotypes that the lgbtq plus community is facing in modern times it really kind of like showed a possibility of what the world could be like one day when that community is more openly accepted in the public eye and i really <laughs> loved that they had all the different like um spokespersons of our community sorry I like almost choked on my own spit um the only the different like spokespersons of our community and it was a lot of like famous people famous celebrities who are already like out and proud and talking and supportive and representing those different like sections in our community and I thought it was really brilliant it was well done it like hit that impact but also didn't make it like, the main priority of the movie, it was still kind of just like, hey, this is normal. And I loved that. Um, it was still mm-hmm. a rom-com. It was still beautiful. It was still really well-written. Re- they got into a fight at the end, like all rom-coms do, and I literally got, like, the, the, like, the flutter that, like, not in my stomach, which... It's very rare to happen with a movie, but it's like that knot of like, oh, I feel both their sides, but like it's not gonna work out. And like for a minute there, I actually did not think it was gonna work out. So very well written, very well cast. It was just, it was beautiful, honestly.
0: My number three is Glass Onion. I've already talked about mm-hmm. this. It's yep. beautifully done, beautifully edited, mm-hmm. and beautifully shot. It's something that I can put on anytime and just chill out with it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you all already heard my opinion, so yeah, that was number three, Glass Onion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my number two was The Valet. I don't remember whether it was like a Netflix, Amazon Prime movie or whatever. Um, and I don't remember the main character's, excuse me, by the way. I don't remember the main character's name, but he also played in How to um, How to Keep a Latin Lover or something with that title. Uh, but it was absolutely phenomenal. He also played in Overboard with the girl from... Um, not Two Broke Girls, from Mom. Um, I honestly thought it was hilarious. I loved it. It was really well-written. And it was another one of those movies where a very, like, powerful celebrity woman uh, falls in love with kind of like a valet. And it was just, it was really funny, really well done, a lot of good jokes, really well cast, obviously. So I thought it was very, very good, uh, wholehearted film.
0: My number two of the year is The Batman I love Matt Reeves. Robert Pattinson Mm -hmm. as Batman is incredible. The cinematography was incredible. Michael Mm -hmm. Giacchino's score of this movie is just epically powerful. Mm -hmm. And just all around, it's a great movie. Those who said the last 30 minutes weren't actually worth anything, y'all need to be quiet. The Riddler Ah. willingly got caught. What did you think was going to happen? And it was a really fascinatingly great film. All the acting mm-hmm. all around is great. I'm excited for the Penguin show. I'm excited Ooh. for everything they're about to do. It's mm-hmm. a very cool series. So, yeah, in my mind, Batman hits easily number two.
1: I love that. Yeah. Um, that, well, then my number one all-time favorite movie of this year, which is really surprising, low-key, uh, it's another Netflix film, and it's called Enola Holmes 2. I absolutely loved it. It had um, Hannah Dodd, uh, Henry Cavill, Millie Bobby Brown in it, Louis Partridge. Um, It was just across the board. I keep saying this, but it was an amazing cast. It basically is Sherlock Holmes, and it was the sequel to Enola Holmes, the first one, which I absolutely loved as well. And the second one was just as good as the first one. It It kept you guessing just as much. It was just as funny you could still see like there's very like three-dimensional characters and everything it was just all around an amazing movie honestly
0: yeah i'll have to definitely check out a Noel Holmes too i you haven't have seen the first to. one either so
1: <gasps> it's so beautiful oh my god i, know. I love it oh.
0: <clears throat> and coming in at number 1 my number one this is going to tick off so many people cuz i was just praising another one hey. i my number one favorite movie of the year Doctor ah. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I love now, that I one. know y'all saying, but everything ever all at once was a better multiverse movie. Yes it was. But I'm not loving this movie not Multiverse of Madness because it's a multiverse movie.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: love it because it is unapologetically a Sam Raimi Marvel movie. And I mean, it goes crazy with it in terms of phenomenally amazing cinematography. Mm-hmm. Editing, that is amazing. Danny Elfman's score of adding orchestral and electric guitar to it. And yeah. it is goofy as all get out. It is also scary in scenes. And I personally yeah. love this because so many people were jumping up and down excited for the cameos. And what happens? Well, they got their minds exploded, li- quite literally. And yeah. or even stringified. It was just, <laughs> you. Si- I remember seeing this in theaters. And when oh, certain God. things happened... Mm-hmm. When a certain character uh, gets his head blown off, the whole audience went, what the? It yeah. was insanely amazing. Yeah. And this yeah. is a movie, I have no joke since it's been on Disney Plus. I've watched it like six times. I'll just put it on in the background when I'm working. Ah! It's unapologetically goofy, gory mm-hmm. fun. And yeah. I, am, I acknowledge it is not the best of the year. It's not winning any Oscars. It's not mm-hmm. going to do any of that. But in every sense of the word, this is a fun, entertaining movie. And in the terms of the style and the way they told this story, I hope this is what the MCU continues to do. I want these more experimental, much more Mm -hmm. experimental cinematography and editing. I want much more experiments coming from the MCU. Mm -hmm. I love to see something new and different. I felt Multiverse of Madness was just that sweet spot for me. For Mm -hmm. every flaw it has... I think the good far outweighs the bad. So for me, Multiverse of Madness was my favorite movie of the year.
1: Yay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, And I guess,
0: what what do you think?
1: I was about to say, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that looks like a wrap on our picks for this year. Mm
0: -mm. And well, guess what? Every dear listener listening to us, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your picks for the best, worst, and favorites of the year. And be sure to tag us on Instagram at friends on film.
1: Yes. And please definitely feel free to argue with us as well. As you can see, we love arguing with each other. Uh, that's <laughs> going to be all from both of us. We'll be back on the 25th. Hopefully um, you can hopefully come back and listen to us bicker once again. Hopefully there will be more bickering this time. I was a little disappointed, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. There'll be more. I promise. That's, that's <laughs> scouts honor right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. This uh, this could get pretty ugly, I will say, but you know we'll we'll keep it PG. I promise.
0: <laughs> and next week we're going to be talking about the movies that impacted us the most in our personal yes. film journey. And until then, we're friends. We love film, and we hope you'll talk with your friends about films as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a wrap. Woohoo! Friends on Film is produced by TM Lean, Michael Andrew Dinan, and Flying Phoenix Productions. Written by TM Lean and Michael Andrew Dinan. Music is by Jared Walker and logo is by Corbin Kleiner.